It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis, hosting as usual, and we're joined by Reds correspondent Sarah Clapson. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello, Matt. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Good after an Easter break, a week off. Gary Bertels is also back on the podcast for a regular appearance. Gary, good morning. Are you well? Yeah, not bad, thank you, Matt. You, yourself, yeah? Yeah, I had a very good week off of cleaning out my garden shed and loading it into a skip. Well, that, let me just say, that doesn't look like your garden shed in the background. It looks very silly. <laughs> I've been moved rooms. My wife said that my room that I did the last podcast for with Guy Moosey, the background was too messy. So I've been <laughs> dispatched into this room. Well, this isn't much better. I can't go in the kitchen. The kids are still on Easter holiday. So I've, uh, yeah, barred from there as well. So I've been... Uh, yeah, moved out to here. Right, let's stop talking about that. Um, let's talk about football. A very good Easter weekend for Nottingham Forest. It's a six-point haul with wins against QPR and uh, Cardiff City. Sarah, you saw both games uh, fully deserved on, on both counts? Yeah, I think so. It was a brilliant weekend, really. Um, I don't think many people going into it would have expected to come away with six points. I certainly didn't. Um, I was perhaps a little bit surprised to come away with the win on Friday and then to win so um, comfortably yesterday was um, the cherry on the cake, really. I thought they played pretty well, deserved the win both times, um, good performances, some really good individual displays, um, and, and it's made the table look a lot more comfortable now. I think that's that's them pretty much safe, even if it's not mathematically certain. I think that the pressure's off now. They, can, um, they don't have to keep looking over their shoulders so much. Yeah, it's felt like um, a season to survive and get through in many senses until uh, probably this weekend. And now, does the running feel a bit more interesting, Gary, in the sense that maybe we can look at an Alex Mighton and see what he can do and have a good look at a couple of other players and options for Chris Hewton now? I wish I was as confident as Sarah in the fact that we don't have to look over our shoulder again because oh. last <laughs> season we thought, oh, we're in the playoffs, no problem at all, we're, we're, we're comfortable, we're safe. And we know what happened. Um, so that's the only reason I'm a little bit sceptical. Um, <laughs> but you, you have to say, uh, since Chris came in, he's had to have the time to get his best team in his mind. The players he's brought in, I, I think, have galvanised the team. Um, and you look at, especially the game against QPR, 20 shots we had. And before in the podcast, we've been saying, oh, we'll have one shot and none on target. So things have dramatically changed. And you have to, you know, point that towards Garner, Travinovic, you know, the, these sort of players who've come in and give Chris the credit for bringing them in because it has changed things without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, Sarah, this time last year, uh, well, last January, it was, you know, DeCosta, Diacarby and whoever else came in and Tyler Walker coming back, who's a good young player. But it's a different January this time, wasn't it? And we see, do you think we're seeing the effects of it now? Yeah, I think so. I think we always said after the January window closed that you'd be able to see whether it was, or you'd be able to definitively say whether it was a good window or not based on whether Forest stay up. And maybe I'm a bit more confident, but it looks like they are going to stay up. And I think you have to put a lot of that down to the work they did in January. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Keeping Anthony Knockhart as well. I think that was a big thing. All right, he hasn't played, um, he hasn't started the last two games. But other than that, he's been pretty good, I think. He's he started to find his form and show what he can do. And I think he's been a really good addition. Uh, I'm a little bit sceptical about that one. Um, I, I saw these, again, you know, you know I don't like stats, but I saw a stat and he's, I think he scored two and had one, one assist in 28 games. You know, for a player of that quality, is that is that good enough? I don't know. Uh, perhaps when you look at it, on base figures, it's not uh, because you know a player of his quality, you expect more maybe assists than that. Uh, I don't know if that's correct, but that's what I read. Uh, he, he clearly has the ability, and I've said this in previous podcasts. 
you know, he's great to watch, but I just think decision making in that final third in any division, in any uh, standard of football you play, is so important. And I think that's been one thing that's probably letting him down. Maybe, you know, the system we've played at times with just the one uh, striker. You know, you look in the box and sometimes when <coughs> you, you've got players like Anthony Knockart trying to you create something, you've seen one player in the box. And that's not always easy to pick out. You know, you've, you've got to be able to put it in an area where one or two or three players can go in there. But when you're trying just to get one picked out, not easy. So, yeah, I think the jury's still out a little bit. I guess the wingers remain an interesting point of debate, don't they? Because Amiobi's been a bit inconsistent, but um, he set up the first goal yesterday. Mighton scored and seems to be playing well and getting better all the time. Who who are the best wingers now? Because do you kind of, in a sense, abandon Knockart if you don't think he's going to be back next season? Or do you play him to say, we want you back? It's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think you probably have a lot uh, the same kind of situation with a few players. I think Alex Mighton's played his way into the starting eleven. He's been really good. Now he's had a chance and he's played a few games in a row. He's started to hit his stride a bit. Um, he showed great anticipation, I thought, for the goal yesterday. He was in the right place at the right time. And you can, you know, if you're going to find the back of the net, that's what you've got to do. You've got to put yourself into those kind of situations. He's really, he's always so keen to get on the ball and try and make things happen. He's just got that spark about him and a bit of pace and a bit of willingness to run and try and go at people and, and try and give defenders problems. And Bush really haven't got too much of that in the team. So I think I'd, I'd be starting him probably in these last six games, give him a, a really good run, give him a chance to find his feet and and really put his mark on things. And then he's in a good position then for next year to build on that and, and keep going. And his confidence will be high. He'll be ready to come back next year and really, um, really hopefully have a good season, I think. So he'd probably be my first choice as one of them. Um, and probably Sammy Amiobi, I think, for the other wing. Um, he has been up and down, but... I think pretty much everybody in that Forest squad has been. There's not too many players where you could say they've been really good week in, week out, and um, particularly the attacking players. Um, but Amiobi, on his on his day, he's got enough about him to make things happen, to score goals, to weigh in with assists, and he can be a threat. He can be a handful. So I'd, for the majority of the games, I think I'd probably start with Maiten and, and Amiobi and see how they get on. And you've got other players to come on from the bench if you need them. What do you make of that that pairing, Gary? As a striker yourself, would you be happy to, you know, do they provide enough quality into the box? I mean, Myson's young and he's getting better all the time. Does Amiobi do enough for you in terms of actually delivering? I think he does, actually. I think he always looks dangerous. He always looks a threat. Um, you know, you always fancy he can score a goal. He can create something. I mean, the pressure he put on to, to make the goal for Myton, I thought was really impressive. How many times do you see players in those situations give a, a silly foul away? But he didn't. He forced the, you know, the mistake and got the ball across. And like Sarah said, anticipation, youthful exuberance from Mighton. And I think he's just growing in confidence every game he plays. And every goal he'll score, it'll get better. And, you know, the kids at that age aren't really that afraid. They go out there and they just love being out there. And I just think he's one of those players who's so difficult to stop while he's in full flow. And he has that confidence to back himself in those situations in and around the box. And that get you, that'll get you penalties. It'll get you free kicks in good areas. Uh, it'll get you goals. It'll get you assists, even if it bounces off defenders, because he's that sort of player. You know, he's, he's not afraid to take players on. Uh, and he doesn't always do it. I think he's learning very quickly about what to do in that final third, when to release, when to go by himself. And I think that's so important you know, to learn those things very quickly. And, uh, yeah, I, I just love watching what he does on a football pitch. And he works as well backwards. You know, he doesn't just concentrate on what he does going forward. He'll help going back as well. Yeah, sometimes you'll give free kicks away. But sometimes, that you know, that's not a bad thing because it breaks up things a little bit. But his, his willingness to do that is good as well. Um as we stream this live on our Facebook page for people who are listening on iTunes, all the comments are basically about Garner. So let's talk about James Garner, people asking whether we can get him back or not. Um, Sarah, obviously Forrest wants him and we've seen his agent talking about Norwich and Rangers. What do you think in terms of the chances of getting him back here? Would you put a percentage on it yet or not? 
I think with every game he plays like that and every goal that he scores, you'd have to say the chances of Forrest being able to get him back are probably growing slimmer just because there's going to be so many clubs paying attention to him and seeing what he's doing. And clubs, you have to say, in a better position than Forrest. Probably lower-end Premier League clubs. I know we've said that before. Um, He's going to have his pick if he wants to go anywhere on loan, I think, next season. He's going to be able to choose where he wants to go. Um, And that's assuming that he doesn't think he can stay at Manchester United and try and push for a place in and around the squad. Maybe he thinks he's capable of that. Um, I think if Forrest do have some kind of crumb of comfort, it's that Manchester United seem to, they really like Chris Hewton. There's that relationship there. They rate him as a manager. They can see the development that James Garner's having under him. James Garner's clearly enjoying himself. He knows that he's going to play week in, week out, and that will be the same again next season. Um, so they're the plus points, but I would love to say I think he'll be back next season, but I, I think it would it's going to be a long shot. Uh, Forrest have certainly got to try. They've got to go push the boat out and try and get him back, but I think he'll have his pick of teams to choose from. Is he Premier League quality, Gary? Is there any doubts about that from what you've seen of him? Well, I, th- I think without a doubt he's Premier League quality. But the problem is, if he goes out on loan again, I mean, Norwich look like they're going to be in the Premier League next season. So if he goes there, is he guaranteed a place every week? Maybe not. Uh, with Forrest, has he seen enough there under Chris to think, well, next season you know, could be a real challenge, challenging season for Forrest to get up there, get in the playoff positions uh, if the next transfer window goes well? You know, will his, his agent say, well, look, you know, you, you've grown in stature here. You're getting noticed. They've given you the opportunity. You'll get the opportunity on a regular basis still because obviously what you've done is brilliant so far. And it can only enhance his status within football. Uh, you know, if he's getting regular football and he's putting on performances, he's creating, he's scoring. He's, uh, he's, he's really, I think, come out of himself. And I think you've got he'd got to give him credit for that because, because you know, you could sit sit on your backside at Manchester United and pick up wages and he's not. He's come out on loan and he's proving a point. He's saying to, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, well, look what I'm doing here. Yes, it's in the championship, but I'm learning a great deal by playing every week at this football club under this manager. And you just hope that that might convince him you know, to give it a go next season and uh, with hopefully, you know, good signings in the transfer window, that that might be the case. That's the one thing you've got to hang on to, that he, he might just say, yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy here. You know, I'm getting regular football and uh, he, he does stay, but it, it's so unpredictable. You know, there are so many teams interested in him and rightly so. I mean, Rangers, because they're in Europe, you know, that's another lure for anybody um, to, to, to play at that level so it's going to be difficult but don't rule it out Yeah, you stuck on my argument about bringing him the way that he might come back really, I mean he's definitely good enough to play in the Premier League but would he get in Norwich's team ahead of Skip or Buendia if Skip's there next season, would he get in Watford's team well probably not because he's been to Watford and similarly Brighton and Burnley whether he's good enough to play, isn't it, in doubt, whether he gets a game. So, yeah, I think you're right about that. And a Rangers a big draw. I mean, obviously, it worked for Joe Worrell playing at a massive club, but the Scottish Premier League, oof, I don't know. But there you go. Um, what You you play for Manchester United, Gary. Um, it's obviously a different time, Thanks, a different but... era. <laughs> but what's it what's it like playing for a club like that? And does he have the quality and the, the character, I suppose, in a way to, to handle the pressure of playing for Man United? Well, it's a massive pressure, as I found out when I went. You know, after winning what I did at Forest, you go up there thinking, oh, this is going to be OK. We'll, we'll do exactly the same again. But it doesn't always happen like that. You know, I played with some fabulous players up there. You know, Brian Robson was there midfield. Remy Moses, Ray Wilkins, Lou Macari, Sammy McElroy. You know, all these sort of players. Fantastic. Steve Koppel was there. Um, I played with Frank Stapleton and Joe Jordan up front. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's the, the pressure is massive because of those two words, Manchester United, because of the the past history. And it's the same with Forrest because of what we did in our era. You know, everybody's trying to live up to that a little bit. And it's difficult. You know, some people can handle it, some people can't. Um, You know, I I 
had issues when I went up there because I got a really bad injury. Uh, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't train. All, all I could do was walk. It was a stress fracture of the... Um, one of, I'm trying to think what it was. Ray Wilkins had exactly the same injury, and it, 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 it's a pelvis, the stress fracture of the pelvis, a very little crack, and you're not allowed to do anything. You can only walk, you can't drive a car or anything. People forget about things like that. Then you have to play catch up, and uh, you know, you find those, those sort of things come in, they can hinder you. I mean, you look at Jesse Lingard at the moment, you know, we're talking about Ghana. Jesse Lingard's gone to West Ham, and look at what he's achieving there now. He's getting regular football. And he's looking the part again. He's got back in the England squad, you know, which is fantastic. I, I think give him so much credit for that because it's so easy to lose, not interest, but your confidence be not. Um, and I think Garner's got to look at that and say, you know, right, Jesse Lingard, got to West Ham. You know, I can do similar things maybe and, you know, get myself into contention. Um, one other player, well, obviously Garner's made a difference. I want to talk about other players who've kind of made a difference of late and perhaps changed perceptions of them. There's a couple that spring to mind, starting with the fullbacks, I guess. I mean, let's talk about Blackett first, actually, Sarah. Uh, what have you made of Blackett? Because he's climbed up the pecking order fairly prominently recently, hasn't he? Yeah, I think based on the last two games, he's played his way into being um, been in the first choice back four for the last few games. I think he's really put his hand up. He's been really good these last two games, taken his chance, grasped it with both hands and done well. Um, I thought when he first came in, I think it was away to QPR the first game, he played away and I thought he did well then. And then he had a bit of a spell where he lost a bit of form, was out of the team, struggled to get back in it. Um, other players held down their position, but... He's come back in now and he, he's really taken his opportunity. He looked really composed, really solid, got forward well yesterday and just did generally well overall. It was such a shame that Forrest didn't keep a clean sheet because um, I thought they deserved it and it would have been just a nice a nice finish really t- to the day. Um, so that was, a, that was the only kind of blot on the copybook. But I think I'd probably start Tyler Blackett for the last few games, give him a chance, give him a run in the team. Um, it perhaps shows a lot about where Yuri Ribeiro might be come the summer. Um, obviously, he's coming towards the end of the, his contract. He was on the bench yesterday. Is Chris Uton kind of leaving him out the team because he, he's looking at other options, thinking about next season, trying to put his back four together? It's probably coming into his mind. Um, they've got quite a few left-backs, really, for us. Nicholas Ayano is obviously out on loan. They've got Tyler Blackett, Gaten Bong, Yuri Ribeiro. So... And it's the one position in the back line where Chris Uton's rotated it around and nobody's really held down that spot. Um, but I'd put Tyler Blackett in contention for the, la- the last few games, for sure. Yeah, I mean, because he's rotated it around, it kind of says to you he's not convinced by Ribeiro, doesn't it? Which might send a message that he's, because he's out of contract, do you think he might have played his last game for Forrestera? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's difficult to see him getting into the starting eleven. I think, for these last few games. If you've got the impression... If Chris Hutton has kind of got the impression that he thinks he's going to move on in the summer, why would you why would you give him this chance when when Forrest are all but certain? Why would you keep picking him if you think he, he's he's going to leave? Um, unless you're trying to convince him that he's still part of your plans. But I think um, it, 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 reading between the lines, it probably says a lot about what Chris Hutton is expecting um, come the end of the season and and trying to figure out his options. I think longer term. True. What have you made of Christie then, Gary? Because Greg Oram says here about the second half of the season, he's been excellent. Martin Wood says he's been great in the past five or six games. I don't know if if, what, if he needed to win you over or not based on the first half of the season, but how, how have you assessed Christie overall this season, Gary? I think it's been difficult because, you know, Chris has come in and he, he's had to have a look very quickly at a massive squad. Uh, you know, it's one of the biggest squads in the Championship and it's not easy to do that overnight it's impossible to do it overnight you know you you've got to have a good look at it and you when you're in the bottom half of the table it it makes it even harder because you're desperate to get out of trouble and you have to do that with you you know the best team you think in your mind can do that for you so some people are going to miss out the rotation i think can be a problem as well because you know you could be in for two games and out for two games or whatever so you don't get your consistency no matter what position you play. But I think Chris has, you know, coming to the point now where he he has a thing in his mind about, you know, his best starting eleven. 
and you've got to give Bayern the fullbacks credit. You know, get him forward. I think their their quality's improved. It had to improve. And I always said this before: don't look up when you're in those positions. Just deliver the ball into the box. You don't have to pick anybody out. You just put in an area where you expect your teammates to be. And I think that's changed a little bit. You mentioned the stat about you know twenty shots. You don't get twenty shots if you haven't improved your quality from all sorts of areas, from wide areas, from, you know, central midfield. You know, that's where it's improved for me, you know, the quality around that box, I think. And that's not just Garner and Kravinovic. It's, it is the full-backs getting forward. It is Maiten coming in. You know, the, the one position that has been rotated probably more is a striker. You know, um, Murray got in there. He was playing games. And now Lewis Grabbin's getting a chance. So, you know, there's a little bit more stability there. And I think what's helped the fullbacks as well is, you know, Joe Worrell being in their fit because I'll keep saying this about him as well. I like what he does on a football pitch, not just as a player, but as a leader. You know, you always see him talking and cajoling players. And, you know, I think with McKenna alongside him, it looks really solid. And it gives the the fullbacks a wherewithal with that knowledge and that confidence that those two are as solid and as good as they are that they can get forward and and create things in that final third and defend well because those two centre halves will be vocal and they'll call them back, they'll, you know, get them in the positions they need to be. And I, I think that's a massive part of it as well. So does a back four next season include Cyrus Christie, do we think, Sarah, or not? Has he earned his way to a deal if the money's right now? I think he's certainly showing that he's um he's worth seeing if he if Forrest could get him back. Since the turn of the year, probably the second half of the season, I think he's done really well. He's improved massively. He's come on leaps and bounds. He looks more confident, looks more assured. Gets He, he was always good at getting forward and putting crosses in, but sometimes that, that final ball didn't have the quality to create something, whereas now I think he's improved that. And he's really starting to create chances, putting decent crosses in, putting them into the areas that you want to see them, you want to see Forrest getting into. Um I think I'd probably look at bringing him back next year. He's Forrest do again. It's another area where they have got a few options, but I think he's out of the back four. He's probably played the the most games I think overall, and part of that is down to injury. But in that he hasn't suffered from injury and others, but he's been this second half of the season pretty consistent. Um, Chris Hughton's kept with him week in week out, and he obviously likes him. He obviously really rates him as a player. So. I think there's a decent chance that Forrest had looked to see if they could get him back next year. Yeah, he's improved his quality in the box. So certainly, I, think the I, think big, the other... I think the biggest problem, Matt, is how many players Chris has got to get rid of. Yeah. You know, in that squad, there are, there's so many players that have got to leave, you know, in my book, because they're on big, big wages and Chris needs, you know, that, that money to bring players in that he wants to bring in. And people will come to Forrest because of Chris and, and what they're seeing now, um, you know, how things have changed around. Again, that, that that one thing for me, it was always how many shots of Forrest had on target how, or how many fo- shots of Forrest had. And it was, you're lucky if it got over four or five in a match. And now, you know, you're seeing a hell of a lot more, you know, 20 at the week on Saturday, or, or Monday, sorry. And, you know, that's got to be a massive bonus. That's going to cause teams problems. That's why you win football matches. You don't win football matches by just having one shot in 90 minutes. You know, it just doesn't happen. But when you you having that many shots, no matter how many are off target, you, you're going to get you know two or three that are on target, and that's what happened against QPR. And uh, then you play a different game when you go to somewhere like Cardiff. I think that that's one of the best results for a couple of seasons for us to go to Cardiff where nobody expected it, where Mick McCarthy had come in there and they were on a bit of a run. Uh, they got whacked by Sheffield Wednesday at uh, the weekend, but that's probably because Forrest did did them at home the previous game. So, you know, credit where credit's due. The last two games have really opened people's eyes, I think. And that's got to go on to the end of the season. Don't think we're safe. That's the worst thing you could do now as a player. Chris will be telling them that, without a doubt. You know, you've got to go out there. You've got to win football matches. And you're playing for your futures. You know, that that's simple as that. You know, quite a few players in that squad will be playing for their futures at Nottingham Forest. And it's still a very, very good football club to be part of and be at. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to next season. I'm looking forward to the summer to see who comes in, who disappears. And, uh, you know, preparation is going to be paramount for next season. 
you kind of raise a good point there. Other people have been discussing, Gary, about these fringe players. Um, I guess the main one that springs to mind is Harry Arter, but there's also Colback and Bashiru, and they're on decent money, as Richard Ottaway says here. I mean, I can see Colback having a bit of a renaissance. I wouldn't write him off, and he has been coming on the last two games. But I, I guess Arter, certainly, Sarah, do, do you think his days might be numbered at the club? Yeah, if I they think can dip him out. Yeah, if you're looking at the the midfielders that Forrest have got and trying to cut, I mean, that's certainly an area they'll look to cut numbers. Um, Harry Art hasn't really played. He's not really, I know, again, injury has been a problem, but even before that, he was down the pecking order. If you're looking to trim your squad, that's some way you've got to, you know, you've got to assess who's going to play more games, who's who's going to feature regularly. And I don't think he would. Um, again, Fouad Bacharou, in January, he we were told that... Um, he was able to leave on loan. That didn't happen, but you've got to assume that then moving forward for the summer, that's you know that's going to prob- probably suggest that if Forrest can find um, a move for him, again that's something that they'll look into um, because he hasn't been part of the the twenty five month squad. He hasn't featured, so I think that's certainly an area where Forrest are going to look and, and try and cut numbers and. Chris Hewitt wants to work with a small. The squad is far too big at the moment. It, it's been that way for a while, and they do need to try and find a way of working with a smaller group because that's better for everybody, better for the players, for the manager, for the atmosphere. It's just to have a, a massive squad like Forest have got. It, it just creates too many different problems. Mm. And they've got players come back in on loan as well, haven't they? I mean, Jordan Gabriel's done well. Brennan Johnson, obviously. Um, Nigel Gorman asks, what do you think about Carvalho coming back? I mean, that's a perennial question. Sarah, you can answer that one quickly because you're going to tell me you, you think he's done as well, aren't you? Yeah, I, I can't see it. Um, I, I just can't see a way back in for him, um, I'm afraid. Not least because Almeria have got the option to buy. And um, I just can't see him getting back into the forest fold. I just don't think that it's an option, really. In January... When we asked Chris Hewton about the players out on loan that he was looking potentially to bring back, Brennan Johnson was the only one then. There was no kind of mention of Carvalho possibly coming back. And I can't see that anything's changed between then and now. Um, so I, I don't think that, um, yeah, I don't think we'll see him back in the summer. You look like you wanted to say something before, Gary, before I jumped in. No, no, you carry on, I'm fine. <laughs> no, I think I, I think on Carvalho, I think it's right. I think he found it difficult. I think he, he found the physical element of the championship uh, quite difficult. I think he felt he was targeted, and rightly so, because oppositions do the homework and they try and pick out the players they think are going to cause them problems, and he can cause you a problem. We saw that, but it wasn't on a consistent basis. And uh, it's just You know how difficult the championship is, how physical it is, how demanding it can be. And, you know, if, if you get knocked about a bit and it gets to you, then you'll disappear and you'll fade out a bit. I, I just don't think it was the right league for him. I think he's got great ability and it, it might work for him somewhere else. Where do, or, I want, It's kind of a wider question, but how good are is this Forest team in terms of where they need to get to? Because before we start recording, I was saying how I think they're actually they're decent against anyone below the top six they can beat them but there seems to be a bit of a a gulf to bridge so what's the next step for the team Sarah is it a big leap they need to make in the summer or is it more of a a little bit of tweaking here and there I think there's still a fairly big gap between where Forest are now and and where they want to be next year I think the table doesn't lie they are where they are um, and they probably they deserve to be where they are at the moment. That's kind of the level that they're at. I think there's still, if you look at the likes of, of, I mean, Norwich are far and away the best team in this league. And to compare Forest to them, it's just, it's you know, they're in completely different positions at the moment. Um, if Forest want to be challenging in and around that top six, I think they're going to have to do a fair bit of work in the summer. I think they've made great progress under Chris Hughton. I think they're taking steps and they're certainly going in the right direction. But they need they need to bring in some quality in the summer. They need to sort out certain areas in the team. They need to they need to add more quality. They scored, you know, they scored three goals yesterday, but that was only the third time this season they've scored more than two in a game. That's the one area of the pitch where they need to do a lot of work. Um 
I think the signs are, are good. I think if you look at the work that Chris has done in the transfer window um, in January and in terms of bringing Anthony Lockhart in at the back end of the summer transfer window, I think there's a suggestion there that he, if he gets the right players, if he gets the squad that he wants to work with, I think there's the potential there. But at the minute, I think there's still a long way off. I think there's a lot of work to do. What do you, Go on, Gary, sorry. When you look at Norwich, we keep mentioning them, uh, they're a young side, aren't they? You know, they're full of, you know, verve, full of adventure. Um, you know, they move the ball quickly. They get players forward. They get pe- players past Pukki. But in the Premier League, they struggled. You know, I watched them on several occasions commentating on them and they've just got, a you know, plan A. Uh, I've said this before and that's that's what got, I think, them relegated because they couldn't change it around. You, you know, if he needed something different, he'd bring Pukki off and put another striker on. He wouldn't play two up front. He wouldn't go for it. And I think, you know, he'll have to rethink things uh, when he gets into the Premier League. And uh, you, you, you look at Leeds and teams like that have done since they went up. You know, they've they've attacked it as the way they did in the Championship. And I think you, you're talking about the teams, you know, we struggled about in the top six. You know, the previous season, we, you know, we didn't. We did well against the West Broms. We did well against the Leeds, who are now in the Premier League. You know, one of them could be coming back. Um, but we always did quite well against those two teams in particular. Um, so... It's a confidence thing, you know. When we played against those early in the season, you know, we were down, we were flat, we were, you know, struggling after last season's, you know, collapse. So I think you can take those games out of the equation and look at, you know, the equation we have now. Uh, we did reasonably well against Bournemouth. We weren't disgraced against them. The Norwich game, we started badly. We conceded two bad goals early in the game, and if you concede two bad goals. That wasn't Norwich outplaying us by any stretch of the imagination. It was us conceding two bad goals. And if you don't concede two bad goals against Norwich in the first 10, 15 minutes, then you're going to have an, an opportunity yourself because you have good players in there. And we've shown that the last couple of games. You know, QPR are on a good roll. They're above us. You've got to beat them. You know, it's all right saying, well, they're safe. They can't get in the playoffs. They can't do that. They're playing for, you know, their contracts next season. You know, in the, these strange times... It, it's all become a little bit different football and you know the priorities become different you know your mentality is different you know some people can cope without the crowd some people can't you know there's so many things to take into consideration at this moment in time and I just think Chris has not panicked he's not he's done it gradually and he, he's looked at it you know not just Oh, right, OK, we've got to do this, I've got to change this, I've got to change that. I think he's done it on a you know, a game-to-game basis. He's, he's probably watched everything in trading very closely. And I think you can see the, the rewards of that at the moment. You know, And I think it's so important now to keep that momentum going until the end of the season. Don't think you're safe. Just go and win every football match you can, no matter who you're playing against. And we've seen that they've got the capability to, the capabilities to do that because they're creating things now. They're making things difficult for oppositions. You know, nothing's easy. They're, getting, they're, they're still lacking in possession compared... I think QPR had more possession at the weekend. But that means nothing. You can have possession on the back four, keep passing it across. Possession doesn't mean anything unless you do something with it. And Forrest, you know, is still at home are one of the best counter teams because they have the pace, because they have the ability now, that creative element in the final third. So all that you've got to give Chris, Chris great credit for. Let's make the very big assumption that Ghana comes back. Then Gary, what do, what do you think the Forest team is missing that, uh, at the moment to to take the next step that they need to take? What areas they need to improve still? Well, you don't go up if you don't get a striker who scores above ten goals. Pure and simple. Um, you know, our, our top score is still was it five at the moment? Is it uh, five four. or six? Oh, Taylor's got four or five. Taylor's got five in all competitions, hasn't he? Yeah, and Graben's now got four after that wonderful strike at the weekend. Um, yeah, that's that's the position. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to you know know that we need goals in that team from our striker or strikers. And if you don't get one who gets you double figures, you're not in contention. You I mean look where we are now, mid-table, and we've got a top scorer with five goals. So if you get a, a top scorer with 15, 20, like 
Brentford are, you know, and they're taking chances on players like they have. And, you know, Reading, the, the lad at Reading, you know, they're in the top six because of him. Um, so that is the one area, without a doubt, that has got to be sorted. You know, you have to have somebody who scores a lot of goals to be in contention. And I think somebody uh, to, to help in midfield a little bit, um, you know, a bit more creation. If Garner stays, if Garner goes, you've got a big replacement to find because everybody, uh, you know, in Nottingham who supports the club can see how good he's been and how difficult he is to stop. So, uh, you know, we've got to wait and see what happens with that. And then, you know, Chris, Chris will have players in mind already. Don't think he'll just go at the end season and then say, all right, well, I'm going for him, him and him. He'll be looking now. You know, he'll be looking before now at what it, what's available. He'll be going around Premier League teams to see if they can get loans if Garner doesn't come back. You know, the, the staff are out there working tirelessly to, to sort things like that out. Um, I think, you know, McKenna and Worrell, if they, you know, both stay fit, if Worrell stays, you don't want Worrell to go now. Uh, you know, let's talk about him going into, you know, to the Premier League. We've seen how well Matty Cash has done since he went. So you don't want to lose your key players and then have to replace them again because if you lose key players, it's so difficult to replace, what, two, three or four players. So, um, you know, we're just going to keep fingers crossed that players stay and we can add to that and we can, you know, really go for it next season. Yeah, it's a bit worrying or interesting how much it feels like uh, so much hinges on getting Garner back. It's like you say, replacing him would be tough. There's a question here for you, Gary. Would you, on strikers then, would you let Murray and Taylor leave and bring someone to compete with Graben? I mean, there's also a question mark about whether Graben's there next season, isn't there, as well, Gary? Well, there's a question mark about all three, isn't there? I mean, Glenn Murray, because of his age, you can't go on forever. You know, your body will not let you, no matter how much you want to. Your body just says, right, I've had enough. You know, and strikers take more stick than anybody else. So, you know, Glenn will have to assess how he feels and, uh, you know, honestly think where... He goes from there, you know, from, from now. I mean, Chris has got great um, admiration for him and because uh, he's worked with him, you know, quite often and sees what he brings to the table, not just on the pitch, off the pitch as well. You know, you hear about that non-stop, how good he is off the pitch, uh, good around the place. But, yeah, is, is Lewis Graben going abroad? Uh, we've heard stories about that. Uh, Lyle Taylor, because he's not been getting regular football, will he want to go somewhere else? And if all three of those disappear, then crikey, your, your job becomes massive to replace them. You know, you've got to maybe think, OK, we've got to take a chance on somebody and then get players in who, who've got a little bit of experience, a bit, bit more experience. I think now, once you get over 30, it, it just seems you, you, you discard a little bit more than you used to be. Um it's, you know, people say uh, experience is vital. It can be in other areas. I mean, I played centre-half uh, back into my career and found it easier because I didn't have to do all the, the running you do up front. You know, you can position yourself well, you can read the game well because you played up front. But, you know, as a striker, the older you get, the more difficult it becomes uh, because you're expected to do this, that and the other. You know, you look at Manchester City getting, you know, Aguero's going, um, you know, as good as he is. Um, so yeah, if those three decide they they don't want to be at Nottingham Forest anymore, that is one area you're going to have to sort out very very quickly. I suppose um, Sarah, it's interesting. Sarah's Wi-Fi signal's a bit ropey. That's why she keeps coming in and out. Yeah, um, I just lost you. There. Sorry. No, it's fine. You didn't miss anything. It was just Gary waffling. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're talking about Gary made the point about grabbing being written off. Um, when he's over 30 or players being written off I didn't, no, I didn't say, yeah I didn't say grab him being written off no no I mean, sorry players in general they they seem to diminish in terms of value and reputation when they're over 30 it's interesting that Graben's been written off after one bad season does he show enough that he still got it yesterday to, to be the man who can get 20 goals I think if you look back at, at Lewis Graben's career as a whole, he does seem to go through phases where he scores a lot of goals and then has a bit of a, a dry patch and then gets back to scoring a lot of goals. And I think it, it, if you kind of look at his career trajectory, if I can say it right, it has been a little bit up and down. Um, so I, I think he's probably still capable of going out there and, and getting 20-odd goals for somebody in a season. 
you know, he certainly got the quality. He showed that yesterday. It was a, a fantastic goal that he, he hit. A really, really good goal. Um, there's pro- uh, Chris Hewton said afterwards, is probably, and he's probably got a decent point that this year he's been in and out of the team. He's had injuries. He's not kind of been able to get on a a, a run of games. Um, and also his confidence has probably taken a bit of a hit. He's missed some really big chances. And if you do that in in a number of games in succession, then you know you, you you're going to start to feel a bit not not down about yourself but you know you, you're, you're going to start your confidence is going to be affected um I think he he's certainly capable of coming back next year and and scoring a lot of goals whether that ends up being for Forrest or for somebody else um I want you to talk about the running briefly um it looks very favorable now I mean Gary you've always said the games look hard when you're depending on form but suddenly Bristol City and Huddersfield Bristol City away Huddersfield at home Birmingham away, Stoke at home, Sheffield Wednesday away, and Preston at home. Sarah, that looks quite favourable now, do we feel? Yeah, I think so. Forest will have a lot of confidence, I think, from these last two games. I think they can approach um, the running in in good form with spirits high and thinking they just want to finish as well as they can. It's important to build some momentum, to finish as high up at the table as they can, to get points on the board, to put in good performances, to have something to build on. Um, like we've mentioned, players are fighting for their futures. So there's a lot to play for. Um, they can't. There's no There's no sense that they're going to step off the gas or, or relax or, or anything like that. They've, they've got to keep on fighting. Um, and that's... You know, the manager has got to make sure that they do that. There's got to be no room for complacency, no room for, for just allowing these last few games to drift by. And I'm sure they won't. Um, I'm sure Chris Hewton will be right on top of them on, on that sense. Um, I think that they're capable of having a good run between now and the end of the season and putting themselves in a, a better position in the table. The problem with those last games of the season, the, the teams you've talked about, they're all in trouble. Well, the majority of them are in trouble. Sheffield Wednesday, Birmingham, Huddersfield, Preston could get sucked in. And then that becomes a very difficult running because nobody wants to get relegated to, you know, League One. So in that respect, it's it becomes maybe a little bit more difficult and you just want to win the next couple of games to put yourself definitely safe and then you can relax a little bit more. But, you know, Sarah just said it and I said it before, you have to win. You want to win every football match. You know, you want to finish on the biggest high you possibly can to take yourself into next season. And, you know, players have got to show up and say, right, I want to be here next season. And they can only do that by their performances and what they do on a daily basis because they'll be being watched every day in training and their attitude will be watched and monitored every day in training. And Chris will know the players he wants to keep and the players who perhaps don't show what he wants them to show on a daily basis. Not just about Saturdays. It's about turning up for training and putting your lot in when you're training. And so that that's mightily important as well. So, yeah, Bristol City can't win at home for love and money. You know, they've probably got one of the worst home records of anybody this season. They just can't win at home. Um, but, you know, they've got a manager there who's come in, he's not been there long. And, you know, he'll be looking at the same sort of things. Win your next game. Don't look at the games after that. Win your next game. Get the confidence from that game and take it from game to day, game to game, confidence-wise. And if you get on a run, you know, you just it just makes you feel so much better and you, you summer better. You know, you'll think, well, you know, what a great end to the season this has been. And that's all they can do. Win football matches. So important to carry the momentum. And I suppose also it makes Chris Hewton's job easier in the summer, doesn't it? He can say to a player he fancies bringing in, Look how well we finished this season. We finished, you know, twelfth or tenth instead of nineteenth, and it makes Forest a more prop- attractive proposition to to sign players as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you win, I mean, it's possible to win your next four or five games. Of course, it is. You know, I always go back to Roy Keane and Sunderland. You know, they were in the bottom half of the table, won you know loads of games towards the end of the season, and got promoted. You know, Forest probably aren't going to do that. Well, they're not going to do that. You know, they're a mile off the playoffs at the moment. But you win five games on the trot. I was at, I can remember at Manchester United. I think we won our last uh, six or seven games of the season, one, one of the seasons there. And we, we managed to finish in the top six, you know, because the season was that bad. But we finished it that well that, you know, that really gives you the confidence to take to the next season. And that's all they can do. 
don't think right we're safe we're in mid-table here you know we can relax and Chris won't let them relax he, he's not that sort of manager he played at the top level you know he knows what the top level is all about and he knows what it takes to get there and it, it, just as a player and a manager so you know he, he won't let them rest on the laurels he'll be demanding that they win every game of football from now to the end of the season uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about Gary before we finish uh, when we had Guy Moussi on last week and people should listen to it it's a really interesting interview about how he sees the game he's a lovely man as Gary said in a previous podcast he spoke about the importance of team spirit and everyone pulling in the same direction and things being right off the pitch and kind of a common cause and a common goal how important do you think that is for next season for Forest and for the remainder of this season to to foster some kind of team spirit and feel like this is a, a club moving in the right direction now well, it's massive. And, you know, when Chris played, when I played, you know, camaraderie, team spirit, dressing room spirit was so important. I think that's, I'm not sure, I can't I can't say with any sort of confidence that that doesn't happen now. Uh, in our day, I think it happened more um, because, you know, we didn't get paid what they get paid now. It was all about wanting and loving to play football and not, not having to work on, you know, building sites in the winter. You know, it was one of those situations and the, the dressing room was brilliant. You always had the pranksters in there, uh, me being one of them at, uh, you know, Man United and at Forest. You, know, you need that little bit of a spark in the dressing room all the time. It's not about going out on Saturday. You're working with these guys on a daily basis, and you, it, it can't just be too serious all the time. You need a laugh. You need a joke. You need the idiots in the dressing room, if you like, you know, the wind-up merchants and things like that, because that brings unity. And if you've got unity off the pitch you'll take it on there on a Saturday. And I, I was lucky at the teams I played with. We always had that. You know, I, I could go Notts County when I was there. Great bunch of lads, strong characters, great in the dressing room. You know, I can remember you know, Adrian Thorpe. I came back from uh, training. He'd been injured. And my leather trousers were missing. And uh, he said, right, I'll, I'll give you hot or cold here. You know, you're getting colder, you're getting hotter. And he put them halfway up the floodlights. He, he climbed up the floodlights at Meadow Lane to, to put my leather trousers on the uh, floodlights halfway up. Um, so that that's the sort of buffoon we had at uh, the time. But, it, you know, it gave everybody a laugh. It took the pressure off. And, you know, I was lucky at Grimsby as well. We had a great bunch of lads up there. You know, we won automatic promotion. So it's so important that you have that as well, that you have good eggs in the in the basket in the in the dressing room. Because, if you know, if you don't, you don't take that out on the pitch as well. And, and Chris will know that because he, he played in a similar era to me and he knows how good team spirit can be. I can't let that go. I mean, <laughs> leather trousers. I didn't hear anything well, said after leather trousers. Yeah, when I was at Manchester, yeah, leather jodhpurs. Because you know what I'm like with my clothes. I, was always, I do always, know what you like with your clothes, yeah. Yeah, I had the, they were like leather jodhpurs, brown leather jodhpurs, and they, were got, they weren't uh, tailored at the bottom. They were just zigzagged cut off at the bottom that's how they were and I didn't change but I just kept them like that so uh, yeah but Adrian Thorpe took he took exception to that and yeah climbed up the floodlights uh, which I don't think anybody would now to be quite honest no I don't I don't think so not in this era of health and safety <laughs> they could probably find footballers with leather trousers still the way some of the players dress yeah maybe anyway. maybe um which leads on to what I was going to ask you, Sarah, not about Gary's leather trousers, thank goodness, but um, in terms of this team spirit, that Forest can't really generate it in the traditional way because of the pandemic. They can't go out and have a big night out. They can't go down the golf course until last week. So really only winning results, uh, winning games of football and getting results is the is the way to build team spirit. So I guess a strong finish to the season would only help um, in that sense as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably been difficult for everybody. Really, this um, the, the way things are. It's, it doesn't it doesn't allow for that kind of um, normal socialising for players to get to know each other so much off the pitch. You've got to do it in different ways, and results certainly go a long way towards that. And I think you can see. I know there was all the talk when Forest were going through a difficult spell about the team spirit not being great and about. I know Joe Warrell came out after I can't remember which game it was now and said, "Oh, we're, we're not friends." Um, and, and people kind of took that, that they weren't getting on. Um, I think you can see when they've been picking up results that there is that unity, there is that bond. And that probably comes with time as well. Getting to know each other, getting to know those relationships and um, 
And picking up results, you're bound to feel a lot better when you're winning games. I think that that probably just goes without saying. When when you're not getting the right results, the dressing room's bound to to not be in great spirits. I think that it's, that's just probably quite obvious. Um, so yeah, getting results is, is bound to help with that. Yeah, yeah when when I played with you know, Forest, you know, when Trivial Pursuit came out, we used to play cards on the on the bus going to trips. But when Trivial Pursuit came out, we paired up and we we played Trivial Pursuit. You know, there and back, just to you know, nullify the board, and we, we you know, that gives you, you know, because you take the Mickey out of each other because you're getting questions right and wrong, you know, simple little things like that. You know, anything to, you know, divert the the boredom away when you're on a coach there and back. Uh, and you know, when I was at Manchester United, you know, I went up there and I was putting itching powder in people's, you know, clothes and just, you know, just to liven things up a little bit. Um, and it was it was great to see them having to, you know, take all the clothes off and jump in the shower because, you know, this idiot from Nottingham had done that, that. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's... You, uh, you've got to do what you can to get that team spirit right. And you've got to have the right characters in there to be able to do that. And I've always been fortunate where I've played that we, we had characters like that who could do it. You know, you had your serious ones. And Manchester United... You know, the captain was Martin Buchan, who was oh, straight that you didn't you didn't do anything to uh, you know deviate from what was right with Martin. He was a fantastic leader of men, and uh, then you had you know the 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 lads who liked a bit of a giggle, a bit of a laugh, uh, but didn't take it too far. Yeah, so it's important you get a really diverse, good dressing room um, that you've got different characters, good characters who who can have a laugh and a joke as well, but you know get the job done. I didn't know this about you. Is for yeah, you were the dressing room menace by the sound of it. But it's an well, eye-opening it, interview. It, yeah, it just it, you know, some can take. You think, well, who's going to take it with the itching powder and things like that? And yeah, they took it in good stead. You know, <laughs> they had a little bit of a giggle as well. But uh, yeah, I expected stuff back as well, and I got stuff back as well, which you, you just take on the chin. All part and parcel of it. Right. Uh, I think we'll leave it there for this week. Um, Gary's leather trousers is an image burned into my mind for eternity so we probably can't top that so thanks very much to there's everyone who somewhere i think they're in a loft somewhere in a bag so i'll try and get them out and find them Should be i wouldn't get in i wouldn't get in them now that is an absolute certainty but i think they're still around well th- <laughs> thanks very much for that and thanks very much to everyone who watched along sarah thank you for joining us as normal i know you've had connection problems but thanks for persisting um and we shall return uh well next week do listen to the game Moosey episode it's very interesting um don't want to slip under the radar amongst all the games and do give us a good review and rating on itunes if you're so generously inclined five stars will be appreciated as ever thanks very much gary and sarah and thanks for everyone who listened thanks, and watched along we shall see you all soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah.